welcome to the Garden Church Podcast. Has anyone else felt that time in our society right now feels a bit more polarized than ever before? I know that things have been um, intense and we have had a political and national divide around lots of things, but it feels like we had this common enemy at one point, COVID. COVID-19 was this common enemy we came to rally behind, but now with stay-at-home orders and open up the country, with conspiracy theories and new evidence or new posts or new YouTube videos, things are confusing, people are outraged, people are arguing and arguing and arguing, and it's nonstop. What is truth anymore? If people can say I have alternative facts or claim something like news is fake or argue that things are being censored or there's censorship issues going on. What are we to believe? And how do we live well when truth is so hard to find? How do we live well when truth is so hard to find? I'm picking up from last week in a passage found in Philippians chapter 2, verse 14. Paul says this, do everything without grumbling or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. Then you will shine among them like stars in the sky as you hold firmly to the word of life. Paul is writing to the church. He's telling the church that they are to be um, uh, blameless and pure like children of God. Um, children of God in a warped and crooked generation and we will shine like stars in the sky as we hold to the word of life. And he tells the church to not grumble, do everything without grumbling. And last week we talked about grumbling being uh, this condition or mindset of complaining. And then he has this other word. He says, do everything without arguing. And I love that because this is good. In our world of social media, in our world of opinion, we need to live as Christians in a way that doesn't look like the rest of the world without arguing. If we just left it there and said, all right, guys, have a great Sunday, that would be challenge enough to do everything without arguing? Okay, now let's, let's go into this a little bit. And the Greek word, um, in the Greek, the word for arguing is better translated to false reasoning. False reasoning. Reasoning that may seem wise and accurate, but is false. You have the wrong idea about something. You think it to be true, but in fact, it's wrong and false. Another word to describe false reasoning in both the Greek and Hebrew is the word foolish or foolishness. Do everything without complaining and without foolishness. These phrases are absolutely connected to the story of Israel. It is a negative example of what we are not to be as the church. We are not to live as the community of faith, as people who complain and live foolishly. Instead, we are to be the opposite. We are to live a life of rejoicing and a life of wisdom. Israel demonstrates 
their foolishness by first complaining about God. They complain about Moses and God in the story of Exodus. And their complaining and their mindset of complaining leads them to doubt God's character and goodness and nature. And as a result of their doubt, they refused to trust God and acted out of distrust, which led to foolishness, which led to disobedience. Foolishness leads to disobedience. Again, it's a negative example of what happened to Israel. So Paul will say, brothers and sisters, church, do everything without grumbling and arguing. Do everything without complaining, which leads to false reasoning. If the opposite of grumbling is to rejoice, the opposite of arguing or false reasoning is to live wisely in the world. Avoid grumbling and false reasoning. Avoid foolishness. If you do this, church, it will enable you to live as blameless and innocent children of God without blemish in the midst of this crooked and perverse generation. And you will shine like stars in the sky. You will shine and live as an example to the world. In Ephesians chapter 5, Paul says to the church, be very careful how you live. Not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. He says in Ephesians that the days are evil. In Philippians, he says it's crooked and perverse. Can we just pause for a moment and think about where our world is at at this time? What is true anymore? Can we anticipate truth to be resonating from any system of the world? Or can we in fact recognize that things have been corrupt? Things have been uh, manipulated by evil and sin. That we, we have to know that things are, are, are not what they appear to be on the outside. I continue to receive videos and YouTubes and some of them are good but some of them are just back and forth it's one video says that we should be terrified of coronavirus and the death rates are being undercounted and another video says that uh, the death rates are being overcounted and there are there's so much confusion in the world so how do we live in a world with accelerated information we have access to knowledge like never before it's never been easier to find something, but how do we know if it's real or, uh, or reliable or how do we know if we can actually um, trust the, the sources out there? And what you have to understand is um, wisdom has to be lived. And how do we know if it's wisdom when things are accelerated and complex? The task for discernment is ever so important in our time. We have a generation of young people who turn to their devices to make sense of the world. Their phones have become sources of, of answers and counselors and entertainers and instructors and spiritual guides. One author says, screens are profoundly changing the human experience and affect us in the following ways, pushing the tyranny of the now, framing and filtering reality, weaponizing humor of 
by making snark cool, overloading our choices, filling our time and distracting our minds, making people even more image conscious and giving people a sense of interacting and participating. This comes from the book Faith for Exile. The complexity of technological innovation and the acceleration of information has produced a level of anxiety like never before in human history. You see, there is a low-grade anxiety across the world. Seven out of ten people feel it. We are consuming media and news information like never before. And that consumption is doing something to the human condition and soul. It's producing a commonality of experience, anxiety, fear, and anger. When you look at how we're interpreting the world through the lens of our, our, our consumption of media, It is producing anxiety. It's producing a level of fear like never seen and a level of anger that is expressed through outrage. We are an outrage culture. And the cycle we find ourselves in where we uh, consume media and broadcast our experience on social media has some incredible things to it. We are able to see the world in new ways, but at the same time, it's creating Uh, some challenges that we face. So the need for the moment is wisdom. We need wisdom on how to live faithful in a secular world. Again, from David Kinnaman in Faith for Exiles, he says, far from being anti-technology or anti, well, far from being anti-tech, we are anti-foolishness. At the broadest level, the pursuit of wisdom, what we are calling cultural discernment, is the godly answer to the rising complexity and its symptoms of anxiety. Let's say that again. We can ratchet anxiety down and ratchet resilience up by cultivating wisdom. Scripture provides many insights about the role of wisdom in the life of in a life of a disciple. So Paul will say, "Brothers and sisters, do not live and do uh, do everything without complaining." and foolishness without false reasoning and the opposite of false reasoning is developing wisdom we as disciples of jesus in order to engage in this world which is accelerating in its corruption accelerating in its sin accelerating in its sinfulness we need to develop a life of cultural discernment We need to engage in culture while engaging with it through wisdom. And the way we develop wisdom first comes through biblical worldview. I really believe the need, the urgent need of the moment is for the church to develop a biblical worldview. We need to see reality in a way that helps us make sense of the world. And there is more to reality reality than what we can see with our eyes or hear with our ears or touch with our hands or smell or taste. We must learn to see the world through the lens of scripture. We need a biblical mindset, a, a biblical worldview. We need to look through the world with a pair of glasses on. We need to interpret the world with a set of glasses on that helps us reimagine the things going on in proper ways. You see, if you have poor eyesight and your eyes are distorted, you put on glasses to help correct the distortion. And I think many of us have adopted a worldview that has been distorted by 
um, culture, by our personal experience, by bad theology, by the news, by the stories we believe, and so many other things. And we need to uh, put on scripture. We need to read scripture, immerse ourselves in scripture, and see the world through a biblical lens. We need to engage in culture, not separate ourselves from culture. We need to engage in culture through the lens of scriptures. We read scripture to form our life. We read scripture to form our thoughts and inform our ideas. We read scripture to form our lifestyle, to inform our parenting, to form our spending habits and how we use our resources, our time and our energy. Scripture must inform our politics and not the other way around. And for so many of us, it's our politics that form our view of the scripture and that that has to be seen as a form of heresy. In the scriptures, what we see is whenever we put our allegiance to anything else other than the kingdom of God, we are at risk of idolatry. And brothers and sisters, I'm afraid that so many of us are not immersing ourselves in the scriptures, not immersing ourselves in the word of God, not learning to read and be shaped by the word that we're allowing YouTube and Facebook and Instagram and uh, YouTubers and influencers to shape our theology and shape our lifestyle more than the word of God. Can I get an amen? This is so important for this generation and for the next generation, we must understand that scripture is designed to form our life and shape how we engage the world. And this is called cultural discernment or wisdom. And I can't be more passionate about this. And so we're gonna set, start a midweek podcast where I'm gonna talk about how to read scripture and engage in the culture around you. But for now, I, I wanna talk about this, this encouragement from Paul who says that we as the church need to do everything without complaining and do everything without foolishness. So the opposite of foolishness is wisdom. We must become wise. As Paul says in Ephesians 5, to live wisely. How do we live out wisdom? Now, wisdom is part of our scriptures. It's in the Old Testament and it's in the New Testament. And part of the wisdom tradition exist to ground you, to teach you how to engage in life. And it, it teaches you to engage in fruitful living. In other words, wisdom is about mastering the art of living. Wisdom is about fruitful living, mastering the art of living, ordinary everyday life. Proverbs chapter three Verse 13, it says this, blessed are those who find wisdom, those who gain understanding, for she is more profitable than silver and yields better return than gold. She is more precious than rubies. Nothing you desire can compare with her. Long life is in her right hand and in her left hand are riches and honor. Her ways are pleasant ways and all her paths are peace. She is a tree of life to those who take hold of her. Those who hold her fast will be blessed. The author of Proverbs says that wisdom is more valuable than gold and that those who seek her and find her and hold on to her will be blessed. 
Wisdom isn't about becoming smart. It's not about a great SAT score. It's not about intelligence. What the Old Testament authors and the wisdom writers talk about is wisdom is about aligning yourself at the deepest level of your being with something that has been present with creation from the beginning. Wisdom is found in the foundations of creation, it says in Proverbs. It's found in God's ordained way of life. Wisdom is aligning yourself to God's way of life. Throughout the wisdom literature, writers tend to contrast various ways of living. You see, what you see in the New Testament and the Old Testament when it comes to wisdom is you can choose wisdom, which leads to greater life, or you can choose folly or foolishness, which leads to destruction and despair and eventually to death. You can choose the way of the righteous, or the way of the wicked. And you can use your resources, your power, your energy uh, to steward the things that you collect, property, prosperity, peace, joy, and meaningful life, and steward wisdom in a way that brings about more abundance. Or you can steward your resources, your energies, your power, your property, your talents in such a way that leads to greater destruction. You Wisdom is about stewardship. Wisdom is about applying um, knowledge appropriately. Wisdom is about choosing to walk in a particular way. Psalm chapter one, one of my favorite uh, psalms says this, blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night. That person is like a tree planted on streams of water, which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. And then the contrast, not so the wicked. They are like chaff that the wind blows away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked leads to destruction. So this is the image of what wisdom looks like, what a life lived wisely looks like. You will be blessed by God the person who delights in the way of the Lord will be blessed by God. If he meditates or she meditates day and night on the scriptures, they will be like a tree planted firmly near the source of water and they will bear fruit in and out of season. Whatever they do, they will prosper. This person creates an ecosystem that produces fruit in and out of season. God will bless it abundantly. Wisdom is Uh, is expressed in fruitful life. But the wicked, they are like the chaff that will be blown away. And I want you to think about that right now. Are you someone who is moved easily by the next YouTube, by the next news cycle, by that next uh, podcast or that new Instagram post? Are you somebody who's moved easily by, by the wind or by the waters or are you grounded? Are you anchored? Are you standing secure into the truth that is the scripture and you're living consistently with the way of Jesus? It's wisdom that produces a life of resilience. 
Matthew chapter 7, verse 24, Jesus at the end of the Sermon on the Mount says this. After everything he says, he says, therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man or woman who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundations on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. The evidence of wisdom is found in the fruit of your life in and out of season. In and out of season. If you were to pause and examine the fruit of your life in this moment, what does it look like? Are you filled with the peace of of God, the joy of the Holy Spirit? Are you filled with the fruit, self-control, love, gentleness, hope? Are you filled with these things, patience? Or are you filled today with more anxiety, more worry, more fear, more insecurity, more anger, more a greater lack in self-control? Are you exhausted and hurried and burnt out and trapped by the same habits of destruction? It seems like for many of us, and I keep talking about this, the fruit of our life is the result of the way of the world, not the way of Jesus. And if you're like me, you're examining your life in this moment and you realize there's a distance, there's a gap between who I am called to be and who I am, and who who I am and who I want to be. And if you were to take a hard look at your life, what you realize is what you need is to change. You need something to change. You need courage to change the way you've been functioning in life. And I believe one of the things you can do is to pursue wisdom, to pursue wisdom through developing a biblical worldview, through immersing yourself in the scriptures. William Stafford says this, every system is perfectly designed to get the results it gets. If you think about your life and the, the habits, the narratives, the teachings that you've come to believe about yourself, your identity, if you look at your life as a system, the results you get are perfectly designed. The system you have, the system you have adopted, the life habits you've adopted are designed to bring about the results that you're getting. So what does this mean? If you're like me, you need to change the system. You need to change the way you're interacting with the world. You need to change the way you're operating in the world. You need to grow in your wisdom. You need to learn to master the art of living by changing habits, by changing things in your life that, is, that are producing the lack of peace, that are producing the anxiety, that are producing the fear, that are moving you left and right with every news article, that are causing you to doubt yourself and bring confusion into your mind and you don't know what left and right looks like anymore. I believe this is what's going on. The enemy is coming after the church. He's wanting to divide the church. He's wanting to confuse the church. He's wanting us to focus on the end times and think that things are, uh, to look at newspaper and realize that it's gonna happen and that's not how we're supposed to read scripture. We should expect the world to act like the world. It doesn't know Jesus. We should expect systems and powers to be corrupted because that is what the scriptures teaches will happen in the end days. 
And we have been in the end days for 2,000 years, since Acts chapter 2, when the Holy Spirit fell on the church and the prophecy of Joel was fulfilled that the sons and daughters would prophesy and God would pour out his spirit on all flesh. Brothers and sisters, we need to take seriously this time and this moment to, to grow up with Jesus, to grow up in our faith, to learn wisdom. We need to learn to read and engage in scripture and to embody the way of Jesus, not to rely on a live stream. And if you're checking us out, I wanna encourage you to get a Bible, to download a Bible app and to read scripture every day. But I wanna encourage you to not pull away from the world, but to engage in the world, to change the way you engage in the world by developing a biblical worldview, by growing in, in wisdom of the Lord. How do you grow in wisdom? Well, one way you can grow is to ask for more wisdom. In James chapter 1, verse 5, James literally tells the church, if any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. Brothers and sisters, if you're like me, and you're looking for a way to discern what's going on around, why don't you pause and, and take this passage from James chapter 1, verse 5, and know that God's promises are true today. His scripture is true. And if you lack wisdom, if you lack discernment, if you want more wisdom, ask for it. Ask for the ability to discern what's true. Ask for God's impartation of revelation of wisdom in your life. You have not because you haven't asked. If you need wisdom, you need to ask for it. And, um, and I believe this is so important for us to begin to ask the Holy Spirit for greater revelation of who God is and how to engage in the world. Second, how do you grow in wisdom? I just need to say, you need to eat this book, not literally. We need to consume the word of God. We need to Im immerse ourselves in the word of the Lord. Second Timothy chapter three, verse 16 says, all scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. If we want to grow in the fruit of, of the spirit, if we want to grow in the way of Jesus, this is, a, this is an instrument, this is a living document that's for our godliness to develop us in training us in righteousness. It's time, brothers and sisters, to get back to the basics, to memorize scripture, to study the word of God, to do inductive Bible studies. If you don't know what an inductive Bible study is, go Google it and do it with your digital community. Learn and educate and grow in the word of God. Read one passage um, and, and let it saturate your soul. Study books of the Bible, get commentaries, and dive in, study the words, develop time, devote yourself to scripture, read the word. And I wanna suggest that in this time, the church needs to spend more time in the word than scrolling through Instagram, than scrolling through news articles, than scrolling and educating yourself on YouTube. We need more of the scriptures in our lives. Brothers and sisters, eat this book. Can I get an amen? Number three, it's from Matthew chapter seven. If you hear it, put it into practice. If you read something, do what it says. If it talks about asking for wisdom, ask for wisdom. If it talks about caring for the poor, care for the poor. If it tells you uh, to give and not let your right hand know what your left hand is doing, do those things. Brothers and sisters, we can't just read something. We have to put it into practice. Are you with me? 
It's so simple. To develop wisdom is to apply the knowledge we have to our life. You see, we have access to information like never before, but we lack wisdom. Wisdom is the ability to apply good information to our life and let it grow into fruitful living. The fourth thing which I just want to encourage you is to recognize that we are called to be disciples and disciples are students or learners. And I want to suggest that with all of the digital communities right now, if you're watching this, wherever you are, you are invited to be in a digital community or host a digital community. If you're watching from the Netherlands, I got an email from a couple in the Netherlands who are following along the garden. You can be a part of a digital community. You could host one um, in Europe. You can host one in Colorado or New York, wherever you find yourself. But let that digital community become a learning community. Read scripture together and ask questions and dive into the word. Become a learning community together as you study scripture. I think this is what is needed in the next season. I believe God is gonna release a church and release the garden into a season of fruitful living because we take the word seriously. We come under the authority of scripture and we live and engage in the world through a biblical worldview. This is what is required, brothers and sisters. As Paul says, do everything without complaining and do everything without foolishness. Learn the Lord's will by living wisely in the world. I pray that you would live wisely. I pray that God would release your mind um, to know more of the word of God and to engage in the world uh, in, su- in a new way where you see the world through the lens of scripture. May God bless you with a biblical worldview and increase your capacity for wisdom. Thank you for listening. For more information, please visit garden.church.